Hello and welcome to the Potters Podcast. After a fantastic week, we didn't just beat Hull this weekend. We managed to come away with a fantastic result in the Carabao Cup as well against Watford. We're going to cover both, obviously. We're going to talk about the player ratings. We're then going to go into a quick talk about Stoke and then we're going to obviously do predictions. But before that, we're going to do questions off you. I've been putting them on Twitter. Now we're going to put a question up every week. Get involved. Just add us on Twitter, the Potters Podcast. Find us easy. Get on. Hello, Ange. After a great Hi, week. How are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. A great week. Good. Watford's Hull. Who's next? Um, well, let's hope it's Preston. <laughs> right, so we'll go into that first. A very shocking result for me against Watford. I couldn't believe it, to be honest. When I was, because obviously I was uh, listening to it on the radio, but we absolutely dominated them. I've got to be honest, it was a fantastic result. And great to see Klukas actually turn up for once as well. Listen, it was, uh, apart from, I would say, 15 minutes for, of Watford, Stoke were way the best team. And it was quite ironic that uh, you play that well, they get a couple of chances, and then we just go and, and win it. And we're deserved winners. Uh, and those 11 players that played, every one of them could be disappointed for not playing yesterday against Hull. Yeah, I thought it was a great display. I mean, they took the chances well. I mean, to be honest, Watford couldn't even get a foothold in it, to be honest, apart from, like you say, 15 to 20 minutes where they managed to get back in it. But Nick Powell has become a player now that if we don't go up, I've got a feeling we're going to lose him, to be honest. Yeah, and probably Harry Suter too, if, if you're looking at it like that. But just a word for Adam Davies. He made two really, really first-class saves against uh, Watford and... Um, you know, when you, you look at his record now, including yesterday, he's got 16 clean sheets and 30 appearances, and, and that's a pretty good record for a keeper. How is he not number one for Wales? Well, I don't, I have no idea, but I'm glad he isn't, because he's got less chance of being injured if he doesn't play for Wales. Well, the thing is, it's like, Leicester's third choice is number one, and I don't even know where Wayne Hennessy is. He's <laughs> yeah. number two, so I can't understand how he's not number one, to no, be honest. Well, I'm, gl- I'm glad he's with us, because I think he's got a... A calmness. It, to me, he's a lucky goalkeeper. Because yesterday, that, that that shot by Hull in the first few minutes could have gone over his head and that could have set the tone. But I'll have a lucky goalkeeper every time over a really good one and lets the odd one in because the defence isn't good. So, well done to him against Watford. And the last goal, Josh Tymon played well. And yeah, the last goal was a bit of a fluke, but he deserved it for his efforts. And um, it was a thoroughly deserved victory. And Brentford at home now in the next round. Well, that's what I mean. We're going to talk about that now. Brentford, what do we reckon? I'm quite positive and, and optimistic about this this um, fixture, to be honest. I know they're doing well in the Premier League, but let's be honest, they're trying to survive. They're going to rest players. There's a good chance here. I don't think they'll rest as many as, as you expect, but look, uh, our, our home record against Brentford's good, in the league anyway. Um, I think it'll be a tough game, but I think Stoke could possibly win it and it would be fantastic to get through another round I mean no matter what you say it it builds confidence for the team it's really important because you know we beat Watford at Watford a a team that got promoted and now we're playing Brentford at home which to me is the most important thing although I would have liked to have seen the new stadium at Brentford um, I'm I'm chuffed that out of the teams that were left in it was probably one of the ones we would have wanted to get 
Yeah, it's a great it's a great result and all that lot. But it shows you about the League Cup with, you know, time and we we were on about last week was fading away, but has put two great performances in and Davies obviously has been into the cup match, played well and then moved into the into the Saturday match. So yeah. it's again proving how good the League Cup has been for Stoke and Michael O'Neill. Very much so. Right, so now we'll move into the next match, which of course was Hull. We'll obviously go and with player ratings. But a first judge of the result, it was 2-0. What did you think of the game? I thought the game was uh, not great. I thought, to me, the atmosphere was dreadful from after about the first two or three minutes. And I think that was largely because Stoke fans expected us to get another five or six goals against Hull, who were fighting for their lives, who I thought, thought were a very poor team. And we don't tend to play well against poor teams. Having said that, we beat them 5-1 18 months ago. But I thought it, the atmosphere didn't help. I thought the atmosphere was flat throughout. I thought they were pretty poor. Um, and the highlight, well, there were only two highlights for me. And that were the two goals, which were pretty far, far gone, weren't they? They were great, you know. I mean, Vancic, I thought he'd lost the ball as he was wandering through in the penalty area. And then he smashes it in. And Nick Powell, what can you say about Nick Powell apart from worldy free kick? Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, the performance, yeah, it wasn't a great game. And the crowd, it was very strange because we were up in the top ends, up in the sky, as people say. But there was a subdued atmosphere, like songs didn't last long. And I, I think it's because of the pitiful away performance, really. You know, the, none of them turned up. How many was there? About a thousand? There was no all fans. We had, some people were getting binoculars out so you could see them at the, in the distance. Terrible, terrible away um, representation. If, you, if you're supporting a team that they are at the moment, and, and let's say historically they've they've not done great for the past two or three years, and they've had lots of troubles um, with their ownership, you aren't going to come all the way down to Stoke if you're short of money and and you want to save a few bob. You're going to go to the home matches and not bother about singing we're whatever and we know we are and we're going down which I thought was the funniest thing I mean they've got the gallows sense of humour about them they were very very poor yeah they are they're a class above and I think they came up losing their best defender to Luton uh, Reese Brown I think his name is they, they are a team that's literally going to go down and to be honest the first the first probably 30 minutes I thought they, they defended well I mean they were completely zonal marking I was noticing and said to my friend at the time that every player was marked but then it just loosened up when we started doing clever passes and they, they just crumbled but to be honest it, Stoke weren't much better to be honest it wasn't a great display from Stoke just no, not, like you said two, yeah, two goals but they won and that's all that matters at the end of the day it's kept the pressure on and there's a big match on Friday obviously but first before we discuss that we'll go into the player ratings we'll go straight in with Adam Davies well I thought Adam Davies played well he made a couple of good saves early on and I'm going to go with my customary seven seven again uh, I'll go in with a I'll go in with a seven as well actually to, to be honest I thought he he's come back in and brought a bit of a secure edge to the back line I think there's a big difference when he plays there we were called out for it last week that he needs to return to the side and he has uh, so Michael obviously is listening um, and to be honest he put a solid performance in there was no real mistakes every time he was called upon he did his job and I do like Davis as a goalkeeper and I think that was a good display for me and I'm, I'm glad to see him back on the side right so now we'll go into Stoke's best player Ben Wilmot um, I think the line's breaking up here uh, Ben Wilmot um, solid defensively distribution for me was as bad um, 
as he has done. I know there weren't as many people around for him to give the passes that he likes to give, but I think his passing's pretty poor at the moment. Solid as a defender, uh, but his passing, not great. So, you're not going to like this, but for me, he's down in a six. I can't, what is, why don't you like Ben? What's up with him? I don't dislike Ben. <laughs> you don't keep saying this, because next time I see him, he's going to turn around and he's going to ask me why I don't like him. <laughs> Uh, I'll go in with uh, I'll go over seven as well. I thought he was defensively improved because I'd probably say the last two games he, his weakness was his defensive side because he was running around like an headless chicken at times trying to create because Remain Sawyer's wasn't dropping back. So I think there was an improvement in him this time, and I, I'm only going to give him a seven because of that. I thought defensively he did his job and he wasn't running around getting his court, which is an improvement from last time, which is why he gets that mark. Right, so now we'll move into the returning boy, James Chester. Yes, now, I have to say I was really surprised that Chester was picked because at Watford I didn't think he covered himself in too much glory and Danny Bart um, was helping him out an awful lot. But he didn't do anything wrong yesterday. He didn't have a lot to do, really, did he? He, was, um, he, he wasn't really under too much pressure. I do, I, I do find that when he's got the ball, I do get a bit nervous. Uh, but he didn't. He didn't do anything wrong. Um, he flapped, I think, at um, one of the players once or twice. But um, I'm going to give him a six as well. Uh, I'll go in with a six as well. To be honest with um, Chester. Uh, to be no, I'll go with. I'll go with a seven because I think. Yeah, he, he was. He was at fault for a lot of mistakes that he took against Watford. But to be honest, we all know James Chester. He struggles against pace. So does Danny Bat, to be honest, but Bat is like a fridge. I thought Chester did all right. I think he did his duties to, to the extent, really. I think he, I think being alongside of Harry Suter, who for me is by far Stoke's best defender, does improve him a bit, which is a real weird thing. As Harry Suter's what twenty two is he, and, and he's nearly thirty two. It's it's quite surprising, but he's a player that probably, let's be honest, at the end of the season will be gone. He's he's a bit part player till the end of the season, so we can replace him. And at the end of the day, I thought he, he did all right when called upon. I thought Ostergaard was a bit dodgy against Derby, and I think he had to make a defensive change, and I think he did made the right choice. Yeah, OK. So I've gone with that. Right, so now we'll go into, speaking of it, captain for the day, the man who I want as captain, Ari Suter. Well, we both said we'd quite like him as captain, and I think he's he's commanded that area of, of his game very, very well. He, he's, he claps people when they do things well, he... He chivies them up. He's, he's what I would call a, a captain that you can see being a captain. I thought until he got injured uh, and he was clearly struggling from about the 50th minute and he kept going. And I thought he was one of three outstanding players for Stoke in a, in a bit of a lukewarm performance. And I'm going to give him an eight because I just thought some of the defending he did, he's solid. He was shepherding the ball out. And when people try and get the ball off him and he's going out for a goal kick, you, you have to laugh, don't you? Because... You're not going to get round him. He's, uh, he's very, very good at the back. and So, for me, he's getting an eight. Um, I'm getting over nine, to be honest with Harry Suter yesterday. I thought he was brilliant. There was a couple of times when they broke through in the second half and he got back to basically cover up with the tackle. Every time they were trying to get round him, there was no chance. Just I can remember I sat there and said to my mate, he says, no one's getting round him. Tell you, he's, he's like a brick wall. He's, he's no, he's no Stanley Cork hoof, but I tell you what, he does remind me. He's starting to remind me a lot of Ryan when he was younger. Yeah, me. Um, yeah, me too. And I think if he if he has a career like him for Stoke, then 
wow, what, what a player we've got and what a player for the future. We just need to get back to that league, that's all I can say. But yesterday I thought he was magnificent. Every time he did his job and he didn't want to come off, you can see that. I'm hoping he isn't a bad injury. I'm hoping he'll be back for the next game. A great dominant. And he's getting better every week now. He's, he's getting more and more dominant in, in games. And we just need the partners like Wilmot and maybe Ostergaard, if we could get him on a permanent basis, to build off him because he's, he's that good. Now I'll go into the league debut boy, Dolhani. Yeah, uh, DeMarco played uh, quite well at, at Watford. When I say quite well, he defended well, he was solid, he did everything that was asked of him. And I think he did the, the same yesterday. I don't think he's up to match speed yet, but he did what was asked of him. I'll be surprised if he plays midweek, even though he's done nothing to be dropped, because, of course, Tommy Smith should be back by then. But he had a decent game, and so for that, I'm giving him a seven. Uh, I'll go in with this I'll go in with seven as well actually because I was very impressed with him because obviously I didn't go Watford to watch the match but yesterday I was actually quite surprised by him I thought he, he looks a decent player and I didn't expect this from him I thought he was going to be a player that was going to be around the under 23s and maybe get the odd substitute appearance or whatever but since he's come in I, I, he looks a steady right wing back and yesterday he did a lot of mopping up he did a lot of the work that Tommy Smith struggles with which is the defensive side of things but whenever he tried, he tried to get up. He didn't get. He, we didn't have the pace and didn't move up well enough to, you know, get in positions where he could put balls in. But I thought he was decent yesterday, and I was quite impressed with a player that I had no hope for really. I thought it was just a desperation sign, and, and I'm a bit more comfortable now when Tommy Smith does get an injury or a suspension because he's covered himself in glory. He played well. Right. So now we're moving to Remain Sawyer's. Now, to be honest with Remain Sawyer's, there's been a lot of criticism of this man, but. Apparently, people who know the game a lot have got a lot of credit for him, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, Mick Pedrick was telling me yesterday what a wonderful player he was. And uh, for me, uh, I would call Sawyers a very frustrating player. He reminds me of people we've had in the past who um, you've, they've got the ability, they're skillful, they've got a certain amount of class about them. They can't half pick a pass out because Sawyers can pick out a pass. But I don't think he works defensively as much as I would like. He, he's got this languid running style, and I think I would call him an ambler when we don't have the ball. He sort of ambles, and I'm not a big fan of amblers, particularly ones when we need him to stick his foot in and get the ball. So, yeah, I think he's a skillful player. Yeah, I think he can do a lot, a, a really good range of passing. I'm not convinced that he's 100% match fit at the moment, and I would think if we were under massive pressure... He wouldn't be one of those people I'd want all hands on the pumps, if you know what I mean. So, for me, he's getting a seven. I'm going to go on with a six. I don't rate him from what I'm seeing so far. I don't think he puts enough energy in. I don't think he works hard enough. I think at times he's stumbling back, even when players are running past him with a ball. I'm thinking, come on, he's in front of you. And I don't mind it if he's at the opposite end of the pitch and he's doing a bit of a language walk, as we've said. But when they're out in front of you, I expect you run and try to get your foot yeah. in and defensively tackle. And yesterday he wasn't doing it. And we've noticed this now for three days, which is why the fans are getting on his back. And it does. He reminds me a lot of Kenwin Jones in that way when he used to play up front, where you know whenever we were, the ball was coming backwards, he was just like slowly walking back, and then he'd come alive in the box. But after, when he was outside of the box, just walk round. And I, I'm not a fan of them type of players. I like graft. And being Stoke and Stoke is the way it is. We like grafters. And players who, who walk around, unless you're going to go and score, you know, two screamers, we're not going to accept it. Tunchai was the same, where mm. he just sort of like, looked like he was a lost sheep and then come alive when the ball came to him. 
And I, I like it when players hunt for the players, which has always been a problem with Simon. He's getting a six for me. I think he, he, he needs to do more. And I think you're probably right, he isn't 100% fit, but he's got to start putting more effort in when he's on the pitch. Otherwise, the fans will turn on him. And I can see yeah. he's already on the way of starting. Right, so now we'll move into Sam Clucas. Sam Clucas, for me, this season has been largely a disappointment. Um, I thought, at best, he was average, and I thought for part of the game he was missing. He had one good chance, which he, he didn't take. I think the best you could say about him was he looked average against the team, at best, against a team that were anything but average, and I didn't think he was very good at all, really. So I'm giving him a six. Uh, I'm going to go over five again for Sam Clucas. I, to be honest, I didn't know he was playing. Um, well, he has no influence in the game, did he? No, he didn't th- have any influence on it. This, this is the problem with him at the moment. It's like he's, he's, he's like he's worse. To be honest, I'm, I'm not understanding why Clucas is getting a free reign, but Sawyer's is getting more stick because at least yeah. Sawyer's, when he gets the ball, does something with it. But with Clucas yesterday, I, I, I just didn't see anything. There was no creating passes. There was no great tackling. There was nothing, and it, it's so odd, which is why I'm giving him a five. Because if he did something of note where I could look at and go, yeah, he did well on this point. He did nothing yesterday. No great passing. No no creative passing. No defensive work. I don't know why he's playing. I really don't. Unless it's just because Joe Allen's not fit. But I'm really disappointed with Sam Clue because I was last year, but this year it's going to another level. And something's going to have to change, which is why he's getting over five. Right, so now we're going to Mario Vrancic. Um, Good goal. Uh, I thought he was impressive. The guy's got class, hasn't he? When he gets the ball, you're just waiting for something exciting to happen. He sees things that, that normal people don't do. Great bit of skill for his goal. And he distributes the ball well. So along with Harry Suter, he's getting an eight from me. Uh, yeah, getting in with a, I'm getting with an eight because I thought, I thought to be honest, I thought Suter was man of the match to be honest, but I thought Vrancic was close second. I thought he was, he, he had large parts where he didn't have a lot to do, but he's that good with the ball that he looks like he doesn't. His goal was brilliant though because we were right in front of it and the way he just sort of like skipped and then skipped again and then with his weaker right foot placed it beautifully. It was a great goal, and yeah. I've got to be honest, I'm, I'm impressed ever more with Vrancic. Now he's scoring goals as well. I think that it's just a shame he's not 24. That, that's the only thing I can say about Vrancic. But he was good yesterday. You wouldn't have him if he was 24. And I thought you'd have probably erred towards giving him more points because I know you have this thing about hair. See how I got aired and hair in. Uh, <sighs> and he never has a hair out of place. So I thought you'd have given him extra marks for the, the fact that he has a brilliant hairdo. I'm not a barber, Ange. I don't know. <laughs> 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 I like I like Ostergo because he's got no hair. He reminds me of me, but <laughs> other than that, I've got no fetish with hair. <laughs> but to be honest, I thought that um, I thought he played well, and that's why I'm going to go in with it. Right, so now we're going with Jacob Brown. Well, I've said so many times since we've been doing this that Jacob Brown is where our pressing starts and ends, and he never stops running. He should have scored when he put the ball just past the post. I mean, that's the only problem with Jacob Brown. He hasn't quite got shooting boots that we would want him to have. He's never going to be a Steno, is he? But you're never going to fault him for his effort and his just tireless running. And He's so well-liked by the players and, and obviously a big part of the team, so I'm giving him a seven. Hey, I'll go over six, actually, for Jacob Brown yesterday. 
I liked his hold-up play. I'll be honest, I thought his hold-up play was good. I think he gave the ball away too much yesterday. And I think I wasn't majorly impressed. I, I like him a lot of the times. and I've said so many times he has on and off games. And I thought yesterday he had a bit of an off one. I thought Hull were there for the taking. He had a great chance to score. And at times I'm a bit too judgmental at times on players. But I didn't think he had a great game yesterday. But he did enough, if you know what I mean against yeah. a weak team but if he was up against a West Brom or whatever he, he would have been schooled yesterday right so now we're going with Nick Powell he was all from probably the 5th or 6th minute when some guy ruffled his feathers and he was having a go at the 4th official I thought yeah there's something Nick's going to do something today he's either going to get sent off boot or, or score a worldie and what a free kick. I mean, you can't say that uh, he expected that. And I think he's got four goals in, in his six games that he's played this season. But without Nick Powell, we, we look a far less attractive team. And when he came on at Watford, um, he was good. I just thought he was dangerous throughout the second half. I thought he, he played very, very well. And he's getting an eight as well off me. Hey, I'm going to go on with a nine with Nick Powell. I thought yesterday it was great to see him back and especially in a higher position as well. Um, that free kick was... So I haven't seen something like that for years. To be honest, a free kick like that, it was a beautifully placed. I didn't expect him to take it to be honest. I thought, well, yeah, Ramchick shall have a go at this. But he took it and you could see the desperation in the goalkeeper's face and the highlights, how desperate he was to try and tip that over the bar. But there's nothing he could yeah. do about it. He was going in and it was great to see. And it's, the thing is, it shows how much we miss him. When he, when he doesn't play. He's literally our linchpin. When, when he doesn't play, we struggle to score goals or look like we struggle. But when he comes back in, he literally, we, we tick. The, t- the forward line ticks because of him. And, yeah, definitely. And yesterday, for me, was a star man. Everything sort of was flying through him. Just a touch here, a touch there. It's just a shame that he had no one play off other than Brown, who, who we know isn't, like you've said, not Steno. Not even Sharon, to be honest. But the, <laughs> the thing is that... Like I say, without Powell, we we wouldn't be we'd be struggling. I've got to be honest, and I'm hoping when you know we get Campbell fit, and it's going to be brilliant if we can get Campbell up and running as well. We have got a great chance, and it's been it's been so good to see after such a disappointing week to bounce back with two wins like this. It's absolutely brilliant, and, it, and to be fair, I thought he was brilliant. To be honest, yes, Nick Powell. Right, so Danny Bart obviously came on for Harry Suti, and I thought he did all right. Steady uh, defensive performance when he come on. He, did, he let's be honest. I'm, ne- I'm not the biggest fan of Danny Bats. I think it's quite obvious, really. Anybody who listens to the podcast knows I'm not a big fan of the fridge. And but he did his job yesterday. And playing now and again, I don't mind it. Now he's out the team. I'm a lot more calm when it comes down to our defensive errors. And he he did all right for me. What did you think? I thought he, he gave a professional performance. He didn't really have too much to do. So uh, I'm going to give him a seven. I said seven. Oh, it's a bit high for the show. It's getting over five. <laughs> if I'd give him a two, you'd have said it was a bit high. You don't mind the bloke. Well, I was getting over six, but <laughs> a five. Wow, that me a seven. Sorry. Oh, right. So who was who was next? Sorridge. Uh, Sorridge came on. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of Sorridge? He had a couple of half chances. Uh, he, he runs around. He busies himself around. But I don't ever think he's going to be a prolific goal scorer for Stoke. I think he'll. To me, he's a great bloke to bring on when you want to change things, uh, for somebody to run around and, 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 you know, get stuck in. I think he did. He was adequate, and I'm going to give him a seven as well. He was busy, wasn't he? A seven? Yeah. <laughs> get over five? 
something wrong with you. I tell you, on yeah. a Sunday, I don't know what time you start drinking. <laughs> I, I never go on with much higher than a five unless they scored a goal. No, I know. People have always said you're boring. Uh, who, who said that? I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, yeah, so, sorry, I thought... I think I agree with you. He reminds me a lot of Game Gifted No Williams, where it seems to be like you need six chances to score a goal. I, I, I still rate him, though. I've got I've got hope for him because he's still young, and I think eventually I'm hoping it'll click and he'll start scoring goals because that's what happened to Sharon, didn't it? Before yeah, but comes... I'll say one thing to you: you wouldn't give Gifted No Williams a five. No, I wouldn't. No, to be honest. No, well, there you go. But you think he's like Surridge? I rest my case. <laughs> Well, Gifton was great for one year. I think it was a year. He looks bigger than you. Yeah, I know he is. Huh? How do you know? Anyway, I'm six foot oh, two. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, so yeah, I, I thought I, he reminds me of him because Gifton used to miss a lot of chances, didn't he? Especially yeah. until his final season when he when his contract was up and he tried to get a new club. But the thing is with Surridge, he's younger, and I think that hopefully in the future he can get a better performance out of him and a bit more consistency and like I said Sharon used to miss a lot of, a lot of chances and then come Stoke and it clicked and he couldn't stop scoring probably the most lethal finisher I've seen in a Stoke shirt so it's one of them really that time I'm hoping it can and click maybe a loan spell or whatever but at the moment as a backup coming on it, it's worth it Doherty what do we think of Doherty? I didn't think he got into the game as much as I would have hoped he would have got into the game but what he did, he was decent with what he did, and um, I'm going to give him a seven as well. His pace is electric, and I think if Josh Timon does get to the stage where he needs a, de- a rest, Alfie Doughty will come good. I, I like Doughty, yeah. He's a young lad. I think he's only 21, and he's got plenty of years ahead of him. Yesterday, he came on and did a lot of running. There's no question about that. And at times, I think if Michael O'Neill can judge when Timon's going to have an off day, which seems to be here and there, then bringing Doughty in will be I'm just hoping Doughty can bring that consistency because Timon as we know can tail off and disappear out of games and I think bringing Doughty on does freshen it up and I think he did that yesterday but I'm no way I'm getting over seven it's got to be a five uh, honestly I think we're going to have to ban the five no not banning the five substitutes unless they do something drastically amazing I can't go higher than five okay. <laughs> right, so now we'll move into the game as a whole what did you put the performance down to as a score the game as a whole well I think I would go with a five if we hadn't scored two goals so I'll go with a six a five six oh, that's quite low I was going to go with a seven to be honest no defensive so you deluded you if you thought that was a game worthy of a seven, you deluded. No, it was. The game was garbage, I've got to be honest, but there was two cracking goals, so I loved it. <laughs> That's why I'm putting it up to a seven. <laughs> if they were both like tap-ins from two yards, I probably would have given it a four, but you know, they were cracking <laughs> goals, and I loved it. In both halves as well, so that's the reason why I'm giving it a seven, because I enjoyed okay. both the goals. I thought we controlled the game pretty much from beginning to end. Yeah, we struggled to move the ball forward, but I think that's because Nick Power was a bit too high. But then when he started to click and they started making mistakes, we, we pounced on him. And I think it was a good professional performance, and that's what we need in this these times. If we have any seriousness of getting promoted, we have to play bad and win. That, that That's the only way you can do it. And we can't, we've done it a few times this season so far where we've been absolutely garbage at times, but we'd still won the game. And that's all I can ask. And I've always, that's why I'm giving it a seven. Plus those two cracking goals. Right, Michael O'Neill. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm worried, worried about this one now because he hasn't got a ponytail. His hair's not always immaculate. You clearly <laughs> base your decisions on that. So 
Michael will probably get a better two or three off you. I'm going to give Michael a seven because we got the points. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go over two because he's got no air. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I'll go, I'll go on with a seven as well. I thought he's a good performance, professional. The team didn't make a mistake. I think bringing Ostergaard out and giving giving a bit of a rest and bringing Chester in, I thought that was well played. Uh, I thought um, giving another chance to Deheny instead of bringing Ince back in, I thought that was a good decision. And I, and I think he brought the subs on just at the right time. I think Timon was wearing in the game and he brought Doherty on, freshen it up, I think... He was forced really to bring off Suter, but he brought the bats on at the right time. I thought it was a very good performance from Michael O'Neill, which was game over seven. The one thing that I noticed was towards the end of the first half, he was getting a bit agitated, and I would have loved to have heard what he said at half time. He clearly wasn't happy, and things did get a little bit better with the performance levels. But, uh, you know, as, as you said, he, he's rested one or two players and, and none of them now are certain of uh, a place in the team, which I think can only be good for Stoke. Yeah, because at the moment, the, the only ones who are certain at the moment are two players that we're not giving our scores to everywhere, which is Sawyers and Klukas, which is a shame, isn't it? But, you know, we'll go yeah. through to that. Right, so now we'll move into a question that's been asked to me and I found it quite interesting, really, but I wasn't around at the time when this happened. And so this is 1863 and you're going to ask me to answer it? No, oh no, no, it's not that, it's, it's, I'd probably say it's 80 actually, I'm not, I'm not 100% <laughs> sure. Basically, this, I listened to a podcast as well about this, it was about Jamaica and about who they classed as their greatest ever player. And I was quite surprised that they classed their greatest ever player being from Stoke-on-Trent. And then I, I obviously realised he played for the rivals and all that lot. And then, but then I found out he actually started at Stoke, and Stoke let him go. Robbie Earl. And that's Robbie Earl. How, yeah, how he did did something start like Stoke. How, how did this happen? Well, I'll tell you how it happened. He he didn't perform at Stoke, and they didn't think he was going to make it. And to make it, I'm going to be controversial here. To make it at Stoke, historically throughout the ages, and this isn't me being nasty at the Vale. You need to have a little bit more then you would need to go on... Because they were in the second division then. And, and you probably... Stoke probably didn't feel that he was good enough for what they wanted. And so he went to, to Port Vale. He got released and he went to Vale. And, and, and he, he made a very, very good career out of it. He's not going to be the only one that uh, has gone from Stoke to the Vale that has done well. But can you think of if a player that's had such a big impact, you know, played over 600 games, something like 300 top flight games, and, you know, a player that... He obviously played international. People, a lot of people said he was one of the best players in Wimbledon's history. I also had a look at a fan page which was about Wimbledon, and he was in their midfield as one of their greatest ever midfield players. And I thought, you know, to see a player like that fail at Stoke, and would you class him as probably the biggest failure to come out of the academy, really? Off the top of my head, without thinking much about it, uh, I probably would. Um, I'm sure somebody will say you're wrong there because look, look at so and so and so and so. But yeah, I, w- I would say that was um, that was that was probably one of the major ones. Certainly with the the way he's gone on and played afterwards and represented people. But look, he he made a career out of it. If he just stayed at Stoke, you never know. He might not have had the career he had. It's uh, it's a funny thing, football. I mean, it, it really is. But uh, that is a very good question, and I wish you hadn't asked me because I don't like talking about the veil. <laughs> Yeah, because he, he's a true Vale legend, isn't he, Robbie Hill? Uh, would you class him as probably one of their greatest ever players, Robbie Hill? Well, a lot of people will say um, him and Mark Bright are, are oh, the, Mark Bright, the, of course, the yeah. two best players that they've had. 
But then again, I, you, you're asking the wrong person because the only time I've ever gone to, to see Vale play is if they played um, against Stoke or Crew, or when a member of my family, heaven forbid, and they did, <laughs> played for the Vale, and I went and stood behind the goal and cheered for the other team. I mean, it's just the way I am. Um, I'm not a I'm not a Vale fan, but listen, anybody that comes from Stoke on Trent who who has a good career in sport will do for me whether they play for Vale, Stoke, Crew, Hamley Town, whatever. It's just great for the city if, if people go on and have good careers. Yeah, it's, I thought it was a good question because somebody asked me about Robbie Hill and I thought I remember he played for Vale but it was obviously I think before my time because I remember him at Wimbledon right towards the end of his career yeah. and I thought it was a good question but I never knew he started at Stoke that was the thing that I found Miffy. I didn't know I don't think he only made two or three appearances but he he never made it and I thought what a player he was especially in the time when how rubbish we were you know to see a player like that coming through and not, not making it but it, you're probably right maybe that drop turned him into the player he did turn into it's one of them yeah. isn't it but I can't think of many other academy mistakes that are, that are bigger clangers than that one to be honest so I think that bloke is right I, I wish I remember his name but very good question so I'll put, put it on the podcast no and, that's really good and right, so we spoke about you, you've just mentioned Hamley Town, and it's funny I've got tickets. I'm going next Saturday. They're going to be in front of the TV, which is incredible, really. I think Ricardo Fuller will be playing. I think Carl Dickinson's going to be playing for Hamley Town as well. I think Ryan it's good. Shotton. Ryan Shotton, of course, is there, which is amazing, really. Um, it's incredible for the area that a club like this is breaking through from the non-leagues. I think it's brilliant, and as you said, it's good for the area, but what's more important is I think they get uh, about fifty or £60,000 from TV coverage, which will uh, go a long way to, to paying the wages of the staff and, and maybe improving the ground, and hopefully they do well. I mean, they've, they've, you know, they've, the, the new directors have put, applied a lot of money into the football club, and um, even non-league football uh, doesn't, um, it doesn't come cheap. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's it's, it's great to see because there's there's also been a bit of a rivalry that's come up recently between Congleton and Hanley as well because Hanley have sort of gone towards veteran Stoke players, whereas Congleton <laughs> Congleton Town have gone towards more Vale players. Obviously, Tom Pope and uh, Roberts. I think he's in Gary Roberts says he's gone there. I think yeah, it's great I think, to see. I think um, I think Hanley Town have got a couple of uh, Vale players too, but yeah, there's there's rivalry between. I would think there'd be rivalry between Hamley, Congleton and Kidsgrove, but uh, good luck to them on Saturday. I, I hope they get through, and I hope they draw a, a top-class team if they get through in the next round and make even more money, as long as it's not us. I hope they get us to be honest it would be great it'd be, be a decent game home away won't it <laughs> away day down Hamley yeah. <laughs> straight out after great down <laughs> we'll talk about the question that we put up last week we put a question out last week to ask you guys to see what would your first choice midfield be if they were all fit and you've got some of the answers on I have but before I um, give those answers what would your preferred midfield be Ian Right, if we're playing three like we are at the moment, I'd go with the diamond set system. So I'd go with Joe Allen on the right centre of the midfield. At the moment, with the way Klukas is playing, and I can't see it improving unless it does, I'd, I'm honestly going to go with uh, Thompson with Nick Powell with Nick Powell in the IA Camrell 
because I just I, I'm not impressed with Sawyer's and I think Lucas looks the shadow of his previous selves as, as a player and I've not been impressed with him I wouldn't mind if Lucas was getting involved a bit but he's doing nothing he's not defensive working and he's not attacking working so and Thompson's impressed me in the couple of cup matches he's played so for me it would be Thompson at this moment in time until so Ranchich out oh god Ranchich <laughs> uh, yeah go back there actually <laughs> oh <laughs> Right. I'd, go, I'd have two midfields, right? I'd have Powell, Allen, Vrancich at home, Powell, Allen, Thompson away. Thompson's been out and I forgot about Vrancic. Yeah, obviously my first team would obviously be Joe Allen with Vrancic alongside him because I prefer him in that central midfield anyway um, with yeah Nick Powell in the higher role. Away, I'd probably go with Thompson, yes, and then I'd probably put Vrancic alongside him or higher up. It's different, isn't it? Because it all depends on the competition and who you're playing. Because if you get up against a pressing team, then you you probably would go with Thompson ahead because he's got a bit more legs in him. But when you're going up against a team that sits back and defensive, you want a bit of a skillful player like Vrancic who can make incredible passes. It's 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 difficult to compare him to you play against. And that's how I'd work it, really. But, yeah, obviously, yeah, Vrancic would be my first choice, not Thompson. But at the moment, I'm really not impressed with Sawyers and, and Klukas. We had some answers. Dave Johnston said, any combination that excludes Klukas. Yeah, John great. Sharrock said, Thompson's our best holder, then Powell, no idea on the third. Uh, Tom Chesworth said, Alan Sawyers, Vrancic. Tom Chesworth also then said, I'm happily taking out Vrancic or Sawyers for Powell, but for the balance at the moment... I don't think we should have Powell as we don't have a proper centre defensive midfield. So have two central midfielders and not one central attacking midfielder. Uh, Spanish Stokies said Thompson, Powell and Allen. Adam, Stokey Adam said Allen, Powell and Vrancic. And Stoke City China said yes, there's three to Allen, Powell and Vrancic. So we had quite a mixture there of people that um, different players in. So if we've got a problem selecting the three, then obviously Michael O'Neill. Has, maybe has a problem with the same three. I, th- I think he's it, it's it's a difficult situation, isn't he? I mean, at the end of the day, I think he bought Romain Sawyer's an opening about because because apparently when he was at Brentford, he was a bit of an oldie midfielder. I don't know how because he, he he doesn't want to run for a kick off. But I think there's been two players that have let us all down, which is why not a lot of people are picking Klukas. But Sawyer's has not impressed me at all, and I've got to be honest, he's got to book his ideas up if he wants anything to do with Stoke. But, yeah, it's going to be difficult for Michael O'Neill to, to pick between these. I mean, are you hoping there's going to be an improvement in Sawyer's? Um, yeah, I do. I mean, you have to say that um, his, his assist for for the uh, goal that um, Vrancic scored, I mean, it was a lovely pass across and then a lo- lovely ball in, you know, to Vrancic. Yeah, I just hope he gets better. I'm not cons- I'm not actually thinking he might, but I'm just hoping he does, you know? Yeah, I am as well. I mean, do you reckon January now that, that holding midfielder, that defensive midfielder, is going to be maybe a bit more of a priority with the improvement of Dahani? Because he, he looked really comfortable at right wing back for me and I wouldn't change, change him if we did have an injury to Tommy Smith. So do you reckon that project now moves to bringing in a holding midfielder? Well, I think they tried. To be honest, I think they tried in the in the summer transfer window, and they couldn't get who they wanted. So we'll just have to hope they get somebody in January. Well, I'm hoping that that Oliver Skip becomes available at top. Yeah, that'd be good. Because he'd be perfect for our midfield at this moment in time. Because I'm not impressed with Sawyer's. Alan 
I think we do miss him when he doesn't play, but I think we need a better player than that, somebody who, who can pass as well as... He seems like Joe Allen just runs around too much. and I, I think there's, at the moment we're all right. We're, we're in the top six. That's all I care about at this moment in time. We They haven't been playing well, but they've been getting points. So that midfield is a real issue for me because Klukas and Sawyers clearly don't work together. And it's it's obvious in my opinion. But, you know, I think Sawyers will drop out when Allen comes back. And I think once... And I think then Vrancic will drop back to a more central role. And then I think Pat... And then I think it'll start clicking then. Because I really like that. The first couple of games when you had Vrancic with Allen and Powell in front of him, it did sort of work out because Joe Allen does do that busy defensive work that Sawyers isn't doing, which is, I think, what's causing the odd result against Derby as well. And, you know, defensive mistakes that we have been making. So I think with Joe Allen coming back, it'll make a big difference, to be honest. Yeah, well, bear in mind that against West Brom, Sawyers can't play because it's a football rule that you can't you can't play against the team you're on, on loan from. So if Allen isn't fit, then then we have a a bit more of a problem in midfield. That's why I think if Allen is fit, they won't play until Friday anyway. If he's fit for Tuesday, but uh, Sawyers certainly won't be playing because uh, he's obviously not allowed. Yeah, so that's that's always a good sign, though, isn't it? When we're thinking that he can't play. <laughs> so we're, we can't play, we? <laughs> yeah, well, that's a shame. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. It's good yeah. that he's on loan. <laughs> yeah. You wanted to go on to the ladies now, didn't you? Yeah, right. So now we're moving to the ladies. Do you know the results today? I do. Um, the ladies' first team played Brighouse Town women today and drew one each in what I understand was a, a very physical game and the girls had to dag, sort of dig really deep to to get the draw and um, you know point to point isn't it and they've improved in training and they're, they're now looking forward to, to the next match so the ladies made a draw one each and the reserves lost 2-1 against Lincoln City Right so there's been a, been a bit of a weird different turnaround haven't there with the Stoke ladies at the moment do we know who the manager is now? I haven't heard who the new manager is I haven't heard at all if I'm being honest Well it looks like we haven't announced one by looks like Well it, I would it, think that's, that's the case yeah that's a strange decision. How long has it been, been gone? About three weeks now, aren't you? It's yeah, but you never know the reasons why. It might be that they couldn't get one or somebody's under contract somewhere else. I, I honestly don't know. Um, no idea. Um, but uh, let's hope they get one soon because no matter how good you're playing or, or whoever you're playing against, you, you really need a manager, don't you? Well, yeah, you need a manager. Yeah, it shouldn't be taking this long especially if you haven't put an in as well it's a, bit, it's a bit of a weird situation no wonder the women have dropped off when you know, a manager's been sacked and no one's been brought in but it's a good hard fought point because we have been pretty woeful over the last couple of weeks so at least now they're starting to dig dig out results which is only a positive thing I believe that the under 16s went to Teesside uh, for the FA Youth Cup I don't know how they went on but uh, we will, I will find out and we'll, we'll update you on that next time yeah yeah we always update on the women, something I forgot about because it'd been that long since they'd last played, obviously, because they were completely shut down in Covid times, weren't they? So it was. Yeah, without, I couldn't play in a cup final, which. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, just devastating. I, I'm not jumping on my soapbox too much, but that, that wouldn't have happened if it was the men's team. Yeah, it's a joke, that was. Absolute joke that they couldn't play that cup final. And it's just been completely wiped off, and it's it's. I would have gone that as well. <laughs> I've got to be honest. Well, I mean, there you are. The, the girls are probably quite happy it didn't take place. Hey, what are you on about now? <laughs> <laughs> right, so now moving to the final part of the programme, which is uh, talking about the next game, which is Preston away. We're live on Sky. Oh. 
So it's been it's going to be a very uh, quick turnaround because there won't be much training tomorrow. They'll do shape and review Saturday. And if we're talking about Preston, um, I've got a mate who supports Preston, and they said they're very disappointed that they didn't beat Birmingham. But Birmingham, but they're unbeaten in the last eight games, Preston. If you include cup matches as well, a lot of them have been draws, but they're unbeaten in eight, and uh, they play a long ball and they have a long throw. And they'll be difficult for us to beat, I think. And we don't really do that well against Preston, do we, Wade? No, it's a, it's a place I always hate going, Preston, because they always, they always seem to turn up against Stoke as well. Like, yeah, I think even yeah. home games where they beat us, I think there was a game where Michael Jackson played for him as well. And we were winning 2-0 and they brought it back to 2-2. And I remember Michael Jackson, that lad, kicked the ball and he, he tipped over the disabled places. He, he hit there, full whack. It just went right over my head. I thought it was going to hit me. It was terrifying. I was only a kid as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Preston's going to be a difficult one. Picking picking a judgment on this after a quick turnaround like this. I, I'm, st- I'm still going to go with a 1-0 win. I am. Okay. I'd take a draw now, and I think it will be a draw. I'm going one each. One each. I, I just yeah. don't want a bad performance against them, because, yes, they are unbeaten, and if we can carry on and get a point, that'll do me. But I, I want us to push on a bit now. I want us to try and... You know, try to break that West Brom because especially if we're playing West Brom next, get three points and then beat West Brom, we go above them. So it's well, we could do depending on what they do Tuesday or Wednesday. But you know, I've got a feeling we'll win. I have. A, I've got a feeling we'll break well, what their. What team dunk. would you play in? Who would you turn uh, out? Go with Davies again in goal. I'd go bring Ostergaard back in. Um, hopefully, I, I obviously I'd rest Suter. I'd bring Daddy Bat in. Keep Wilmot in, obviously. Right wing back, I'd probably stick with Dohani because I, I don't think he's done anything wrong. I've been impressed with him. So you wouldn't put Smith straight back in? No, I'd rest okay. Smith for Friday. I, we need Smith Friday because um, we need everything we got against them. Left wing back, I'd go with Dowerty as well. I'd give time and a rest for the mm-hmm. West Brom game. I'd go in with midfield. I'd I'd, I'd have to go in with Sawyer's because he might as well go in now because he won't be able to play on Friday so might as well put him in and hope he actually starts performing um, i put Thompson alongside him uh, Powell ahead of him and then i go with Brown and Surridge That's a bit weird that because my starting 11 would be Davies, Wilmot, Bart because I would give Sutra a rest bring Ostergaard back in I'd bring Smith in instead of Duhani I'd have Sawyer's in for the same reason as you, that he isn't playing on Friday. I'd have Thompson in as well. I'd have Doughty in for timing, because I'd rest timing. And I'd have Powell, Brown and Surridge in. Oh, so you pretty much got the same too, apart from Dohani. Yeah, which is a bit of a worry. I might change it now. Yeah, I, I just think that Dehani's done nothing wrong to be dropped for them, in my opinion. And I think Tommy Smith, with his crossing ability, I would rather have him... I just, I just, I just rather him ready and willing for a big game when he comes back and push on again. I'd rather that, and I'd rather him come in because because he hasn't played for a while. He could be a bit of a shot to the legs to play ninety minutes and whatever. I just, I just feel Dehaney would be a better fit, and then we've got a fully ready Tommy Smith because those wing backs they do a lot, and there's a lot of energy that needs to go in, and I'd rather them play in that system than go through that way. Right, so what yeah. do you reckon the score's going to be against... Uh, oh, you've said one each, haven't you? Right, so we'll move into the big game, and it is the big game, which is the Friday match against West Brom. I would change the team again for that. I'd, I'd hopefully have Suter back in for both. Obviously, we're going to hope Allen's in for uh, Sawyers. And I'd probably bring Tymon back in for Doughty, if that was the case. I don't think Fletcher will be fit. 
Uh, I'm hoping Seema's fit, so I bring Seema back in for Surridge. Uh, that would be my team changes. What about you? Yeah, obviously I'd want Suter back in for Bats. Yeah, Tommy Swift would then come in for Dahani. I'd have timing in then. Uh, for Dowerty, I'd obviously stick with the same midfield, unless Alan's back. If Alan's fit, then I'd you take... can't stick with the same midfield, so you just can't play. Oh, of course, yeah. But that's what I mean. If, if Alan's fit, then I'd put yeah, Alan okay. in. Then I'd put Vramcic back in alongside alongside him with Powell. And I'd go with Brown and, and I'll have to go with Simmy. Because yeah, Simmy would played with midweek. Because the thing is with Simmy, he's still an unknown quantity. He might make a difference against them because we know how quick he is. And we know yeah, he's got a bit... I, I would agree. He's, he's got energy it, as well. Yeah, it'd be a very difficult game against West Brom. Yeah, it would. Um, you know, we, we've passed the days of we always beat West Brom. But I do actually think we will beat West Brom. I think it will be a cracking game under the floodlights. I don't think you can beat a, a floodlit game. And I think we we, we do a good, a good win against them. So I'm going for a 2-1 win. They won very luckily. I don't know if you saw the game that they won the other night. But they had a last-minute winner. And... Um, yeah, against Queen's Park Rangers, who are no mugs on the last couple of minutes winners. Uh, and, I, and I just think we'll beat them. I think we'll edge it 2-1. I think it'll be a 1-0 win. I think we do well with them against the term. I can remember the year, was it the year, not last year, the, the year before when they got promoted that year. We, we shocked them that year as well. Um, with one, I think it was Danny Batt scored the winning goal, wasn't it? Yeah. And it was a great game as well. And, and it was that was another night game as well. I've just got a feeling we will do it. I think we'll beat Preston and I think we'll beat West Brom. Because you said we are going to be unbeaten, you were wrong, because obviously we lost to Derby. But I, th- I think with the bounce back and with the confidence of the cup, I think we'll go at them. I've, I've got a feeling, I've got a feeling similar score as well. Cause I'm well, putting, I hope so, because they, as I say, they scored a last minute goal, they've got that Carl and Grant. And I think uh, West Brom are, are nine unbeaten, if you count the cup matches. So they've got to lose some time, and what better place than at the Bet365? Exactly, because that's what we want. <laughs> I think we'll smack Preston. But the thing is, if we can get three, if we can get six points against Preston in West Brom, we, we've got to be considered then, in my view. Yeah, for being a, we, yeah I we, think we'll be considered anyway. But they've got that Ishmael, whatever his name is, the, the manager. And, 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 you know, he, he breeds... Uh, aggressive teams and, and they play with intensity and move the ball fast too so that's why I think it'll be a, a really good game and I think I just think we'll we'll edge it I, f- I think we'll edge it because I know they're going to be up for it because they're trying to go straight back up and Fulham at the moment and Bournemouth are really hitting form and I think they'll they'll dogfight for this game because they'll want advantage against us before they even play and I think that because but the thing I've noticed about us this season and since Michael O'Neill's come in, we're very good on the counter-attack. And yeah. when we've got players like Tymon and, and Simmer, for example, can make all the difference, which is why I'd put him in, because his pace could get round them quicker than anything. And he might make an assist or whatever, but at least he can break through them. So when, when they break, we get the ball back, quick ball through, Simmer's away, because no-one's catching him when he's full belt. Simple as that. I've seen him run. <laughs> the thing is, he's like lightning. So, you know, as long as we build up a complete system for counter-attack, West Brom will play in our hands. Simple as that. Because we are very good at counter-attack. Especially this season. We've proved it on many occasions that we can move the ball quick on a counter-attack. So, that's where I think we'll hit them. And that's where I think we'll get the goal. And we'll get the result. In my yeah, well, let's hope you're right. 
as long as they play to that as long as they play to that strength I think they've got every chance in the world because they're a better side than us West Brom they've got better quality players they're a good team and they're very aggressive they're very hard and they push hard but if you break on county you can knock them away easy as long as you break fast and that's what I'm hoping for yeah well fingers crossed that would be really, really good. Just just while we're on about Friday night, people that have probably seen Twitter in the last few hours today, the Supporters Council got a got a message, along with, with Stoke City, regarding um, the death of a, a fan, a Stoke fan, who took his own life, Hamish Burks, took his own life at the weekend. He was 24 years of age, and they're going to have a minute's applause. The fans are going to organise a minute's applause on Friday night on the 24th minute, just to, to really dedicate it. But um, mental health, he, he's obviously taken his own life for a reason, and mental health issues need to be taken seriously. Obviously, we're all very sad and offer our commiserations, but the guy that posted this gave, him, gave the guy that's taken his own life his away ticket for Derby, and the lad seemed really happy. And you just don't know, do you? A week later, he's taken his own life. And all, all people say you should talk to each other. But really, it's very sad. And if anybody's listening tonight to this podcast or in the future of this podcast, you need to talk. Then lots of people keep their direct messages open. Just speak to somebody. Yeah, I, I vouch for that. I mean, I, in my past and even now, I struggle a lot with with anxiety and depression. I've, I was diagnosed about three years ago with SAD, social anxiety disorder, and I know exactly how people like that feel like. You can be completely falling apart inside. You look like you're happy as anything on the outside. Whenever I told people I had the disorder, people that sometimes were even shocked to know that I suffered from a mental illness. And the thing is with me is that you, you figure out that you can you can see certain things of it and it's so sad that people are taking their own lives and it is now becoming an epidemic it's 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 taking more male lives than anything else and it's it's frightening to see i obviously got spoke to counselors to help me through my problems and help me understand my condition really and and but there's so many people out there that are suffering alone and if you are suffering alone just ask for help i talk to somebody they'll explain it to you i spoke to a counselor and he explained to me how how my mental tics started and why my anxiety comes from situations and how and give me tips to how to get around it. And if anybody is suffering from it, just speak to the doctor or speak to, speak to the numbers they give you because they do help. And I know from personal experience. Well, I, I think that's just such such a powerful statement. I mean, Ian, I didn't know that about yourself. And I'm not going to make any glib jokes because I think mental health is far, far too important to joke about. But... The thing I got from what you said is that the most important thing is to speak. And you, you might not understand why you're feeling the way you do, but you can speak to somebody who will help you. Yeah, I didn't know till I was in my 30s that I'd had this condition for most of my life. Well, pretty much all my life. And I never knew. I just thought it was a bit sad sometimes or I felt bad in, in social situations. But you find out that you have actually got a disorder and then I started to get help for it and it is quite easy once you start understanding what your problem is and what the mental health is you can start helping people it's it's easy to pick that after you speak to somebody it's like a sigh or they go straight to a sad face after smiling things like that are easy to pick up on and if you ever see somebody just go and have a word with them have a laugh with them try to pick them up and and let them talk because there's no point keeping it hidden inside because eventually it's like a bottle of fizzy pop. If you shake it, it pops and it releases. 
and it could cause mayhem or anything. You just open up and speak to people, and you'll feel a lot better. So that's the only advice that I can pass out to anyone. I mean, I did a podcast like this to prove that I, I can do social situations. I can interview people. I can talk about my feelings on Stoke, and it's a big reason why I did it for my own mental well-being. Well, I think what you've said is, is the perfect way to, to finish off the podcast. I mean, certainly we don't want to depress or upset people, but um, if if you can remember on Friday that um, the 24th minute, that is why everybody will be applauding. Um, and let's hope that we don't have to do this again in the future. Yeah, let's hope it all stops on mental health. is a big problem, and people who sit there and say just shake out of it, don't hear it anymore. It's time to pick the place, split the people up and, and help each other, that's the main thing. But that's another one done, Ange. How, how do you feel about this one? Good week? I think it's very good, actually, and I thought your bit at the end was really powerful, and I think you should... I'll send you the... On Twitter now, I'll send you the, the message that the guys put on, and I think if you put if you put out... Because I know the guy, he's, he got in touch with me and asked if I would mention it uh, on, on the Stoke City Supporters Council. Uh, and if I send you the link, if you put out when you do the podcast that we've we've mentioned the death of this bloke, um, or mentioned mental health in the twenty fourth minute, that will help the guy tremendously because he's clearly struggling because he didn't know his mate was in such a bad way. Yeah, you don't. It's it's very hard to pick up on the little signs. It is. Right, thanks for that, Ange. Yeah. Okay. And on a final note, if anybody is suffering, don't suffer in silence. Talk to someone, talk to your friends, talk to your parents, talk to relatives, talk to anybody and open up about your feelings because opening up on your feelings is the only way to beat mental health, in my opinion. I've also been in the gym, which helps in many ways as well. keeping, Keeping your mind active also helps. But if you're in that moment and you feel so down that you need mental health at that time, Speak to your doctors, they'll give you numbers, they'll give you counsellors, which is always private, and it'll help you. It really will help you. It'll help you to get your head in the right place, and that's all the advice I can give you. There's plenty of advice out there if you look online. Don't suffer alone, and we need to stop it, and the only way we can stop it is by sorting the stigma that comes with men talking openly about their feelings. If you like the podcast, we're on all podcast platforms. We're on all social media. Just type in the Potters Podcast, you'll find us. So thanks for listening. ta All the best.